Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews. When I drive around the roads around Wooddale and Dawn's in the car, I'll often say to her, she's probably tired of me saying this, you know, when I was a kid, this was a dirt road. <laughs> and there are many of them. Almost all the roads in Wooddale were dirt when I was a kid. And uh, township's done a good job of keeping them, so, but dirt roads get ruts. And you know, you've seen many pictures probably of cars and trucks getting into a rut and not being able to get out of it for a long time. So I have to travel in the rut. Now I want to, I want to, I want to give you a rut. I want to give you a good rut that you will never be able to get out of this morning. All right? So turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. God at various times in various ways has spoken to us. And now in these last days, the Bible says he speaks to us through his son, who he has, number one, appointed to be heir of all things. That's a pretty fantastic thing. Through whom he also made the worlds. That's pretty amazing as well. The Bible tells us in several passages that Jesus was a part of creation. He created along with the Father and the Spirit. And then in verse 3, the Bible says that Jesus being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. And here the punchline is. When he had by himself purged our sins, he did what? He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And so he's sitting down at the right hand of the Father. Now before we go any further, I just want, to, just want to remind you that the Bible teaches that God took on the form of man and he came to this earth and he lived and he died and he rose again and he ascended into heaven. But he did it in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, that's the essence of Christianity. You know, if, if, you, if, you, if people talk about Jesus and they talk about him being a good man and they talk about him being a great teacher, but they don't recognize that he is God, fully God, and at the same time, don't recognize that he is fully man, we got a problem. That's not historic Christianity. And so it's important for us to remember that Jesus is fully God and fully man. You mean he's fully man at the right hand of God the Father? Yes. He is. Glorified in his resurrection. 
never having sinned, of course. But he is fully man as well as fully God, even as we speak. So keep that in mind. The passage of Scripture, the rut that I want you to be in, is that when he had himself purged our sin, what does that refer to? That refers to the crucifixion of Christ, right? When he has purged our sin, when he humbled himself, he then sat down at the right hand of God the Father. Go to chapter 1, verse 14. In comparing Jesus to angels, because sometimes there's a bit of a problem, people, people just don't understand the, the difference between Jesus and angels. And some gravitate to suggesting that maybe Jesus is an angel. The Bible does not teach that Jesus is a created being. Angels are created being. The Bible doesn't teach that um, he is to worship the Father. The Bible teaches that angels are to worship the Father and the Son. There are many differences given to us in Hebrews chapter 1. But look what, Paul, what, what the author of Hebrews says in verse 13. But to which of the angels has he ever said, that's the Father, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? He's never said that to the angels. Angels don't get an opportunity to sit at the right and left hand of the Father. Angels are not to be worshipped. Jesus is to be worshipped along with the Father. Now, this passage of Scripture is taken from Psalm 110, and I just want to remind you that Psalm 110 is all about the reign of Jesus Christ on this earth. And Psalm 110, it starts off with the Lord, all capital letters, L-O-O-R-O-R-D, and you know that refers to Yahweh, the Father, the Lord said to my, who's the author of the hymn? David. So we have Yahweh, the Lord, in all translations, will take L-O-R-D, small case, but small, small, but capital letters, to refer to Yahweh, God the Father. The Lord, and in some cases, Jesus is referred to as Yahweh, of course, since he is fully God. The Lord said to my Lord, that's David, and David is referring to the Messiah. He's referring to Jesus. Sit at my right hand till I make your enemy, your enemies your footstool. And you'll remember in Matthew chapter 22, when people in Jerusalem are trying to figure out who Jesus is, and you have these group of groups of religious leaders coming up to him to try to answer that question. There are a group who come up to him and they say, hmm, in Matthew chapter 22, the, uh, Jesus asks them a question, and, and they're very confused about all of this because they don't understand. They've, they've not understood anything that Jesus said that day. But while the Pharisees were gathering together, Jesus did ask them this question, and he's referring back to Psalm 110. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And, of course, the Bible teaches from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament that Jesus came to this earth born as a descendant of David, 
Because God promised that David, the Messiah, would sit on the throne from the family of David. And so the Pharisees jump right in there and say, well, well, the Messiah is David's son. And notice what Jesus does when he goes back to Psalm 110. Psalm 110. In verse 43, he poses this question. Well, how then does David, in the Spirit, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, how then does David call him Lord, saying, The Lord, Yahweh, said to me, my Lord, David says, my Lord, the Messiah, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? Now, I hope we got that. But see, the point is this is I'm trying to get you into a rut. And you're going to stay in that rut and never, ever able to be get, get out of that rut. And so, in addition to chapter 1, verse 3, where the Bible says Jesus purged our sins in his death on the cross, and he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, we have another bit of information, which is Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God the Father until the Father makes his enemies his footstool. Now, go over to chapter 2, verse 9. The context of this passage is that God created us he created man a little lower than the angels to have dominion. And that's not the case right now. Because we don't see man exercising the role that God originally wants us to exercise. Now, it doesn't mean that we're not being good stewards of his creation and we're not taking care of it. But this passage of Scripture, the context of this passage of Scripture is that if Jesus is fully man, you see, then he ultimately is going to be the one who is going to have total dominion at his second coming. That's the context. All I want us to do is look at verse 9, which helps us to understand why the author of Hebrews says what he says next. But we see Jesus. We don't see the fulfillment of this passage of Scripture yet. But we do see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Now what did we say? We said the crucifixion. And this is the crucifixion. And now he is crowned with glory and honor. That's the same thing as essentially saying he is sitting at the right hand of God the Father that he might, by the grace of God, obviously taste death for every one of us. So hopefully you're getting into a rut. Hopefully you're going to go down the road in that rut, and you're going to say, you know, this Jesus, this Jesus was crucified. He was humiliated. The Bible tells us that he gave up his glory in heaven to come here to die for our sins in obedience to the Father, Willfully, he died for us, and God then, of course, has exalted him so that every man will bow the knee and say, you are King of King and Lord of Lords. 
So we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, but now crowned with glory and honor. And now let's go to the next passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. God is giving to us another bit of information regarding this Jesus who was crucified, who is at the right hand of the Father, fully God, fully man. The Bible tells us that seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Now, I just want you to be aware of that. We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Because the next passages of Scripture, the next four, are going to focus in on the fact that Jesus is our high priest. Now, the high priest was the, in the Old Testament, the high priest was the, the guy in charge of everything. You had priests, and they ministered in the temple, but the high priest had the wonderful privilege of once a year going into the Holy of Holies, where no one was ever allowed to go, ever. And he was to make atonement for the sin of the people by his spiritual exercise in the Holy of Holies in the temple. When Jesus came to this earth, and when he sacrificed his life on the cross, the Bible says that the curtain of the temple between the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place was ripped in two from top to bottom. Right? Because Jesus steps in as our high priest now, and now we have free access into the Holy of Holies. We have free access behind the curtain. We have free access to the Father. And so, the next three passages of Scripture, and quickly here they, here they are. Chapter 4, verse 14 was the four, first of five. The second one is chapter 6, verse 19. In 619, just to give you the context, God tells us that we should have full assurance of the hope of eternal life until the end. He says that in verse 11. So in verse 19, he says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where everybody together... The forerunner has entered for us even Jesus to make atonement for our sins. Now, the interesting thing about this passage of Scripture, and you know, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to really abbreviate this stuff. So if you're not getting it all, it's because I can't develop each point as I go. But I, I, you'll, you'll have a rut, though, that I hope you're going to be stuck in. Uh, and that, that's the important thing. But, you know, you have five big warnings in the book of Hebrews that keeps us on our toes, you know, that make you think about whether or not you're really saved. And one of those is, man, if you, if you drift away from the Lord, if you fall away from the Lord uh, and you don't want anything to do, you're just, you're just not interested in spiritual things anymore, you've got to ask yourself the question, are I really saved? You see what I'm saying? And the important thing is that we shouldn't be drifting away. That was the first warning that God gave to us. And it's, in, it's interesting that in the context of this passage of Scripture, that we, we have an anchor in verse 19 to keep us from drifting. 
That's what's, I like that. We have an anchor to keep us from drifting. And the anchor is all about Christ, our high priest, who has entered the Holy of Holies as our forerunner to save us from our sin. Now, he's not talking about the temple anymore, the tabernacle anymore. Christ has entered into what? The Holy of Holies in heaven. All right, next passage of Scriptures, chapter 8, verse 1 and following. We have, this is the third passage, we have such a high priest who is what? Seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. And he's a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. This is the one in heaven. This is where God is. This is the tabernacle in heaven. And the Bible tells us that um, uh, Jesus ministers there as what? We would know. And he tells us he ministers there as the what? The high priest. Okay? So, next passage is chapter 9, verse 11 and following. We're doing pretty good so far. Just, you just have to just get in that rut and stay there and trust me that this is a critical place for you to be. Very important place to be. Verse 11. Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation. It's in heaven. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place. That's the temple in heaven. That's the holy of holies in heaven where the Father is. Once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. That's why we don't have to, you know, we're saved. You know, when we come to the Lord and we ask Him to save us, He saves us. Saves us from our sins, past, present, and future. He doesn't need to die on the cross a second time. All right. Having said that, go to the next passage of Scripture, which is verse 24 of chapter 9. Verse 24 of chapter 9. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but what? Into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. And he ministers as the, as the, as the high priest in heaven, and uh, one of those ministries is to intercede for us. And even though we're not focusing on that in this particular passage, this particular message, I, I just want you to remain, rem, remember that. Go to chapter 10, verse 12. You're saying, well, we're, we're getting close to the end of Hebrews. I just want you to end up in a rut that you're never going to get out of. See? Because I'm going to tell you, if you engage in conversation with people and you do it on a regular basis, anymore... Most people aren't going to understand who Jesus is. Most people are not going to understand that Jesus is fully God and fully man. So what does the author of Hebrews say in chapter 10 verse 12 to confirm part of this truth for us? But this man, after he had offered one sacrifices for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God... And from that time, waiting till his enemies are made 
his footstool. Uh, Jesus has already ascended into heaven. He's been there. The book of Hebrews is written after the fact. And the Bible says Jesus is still fully God. He's still fully man at the right hand of God the Father. I think I've said this several months ago, but you know when you talk to kids and you say to kids, you know, you're going to get a chance to meet Jesus one of these days. You're not you're lying about that. A lot of people say, oh, you, you, you know, Jesus, Jesus, you know, he isn't, he isn't a man any longer. He shed his body. He's, he's not, uh, and someone even goes far as to say he's not sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Even though, I don't know, that rut looks pretty deep to me, you see. But yes, we'll get to see Jesus. And we'll get to see him as he is fully man. Glorified, sinless, of course, and we'll be like that. That's historic Christianity. Keep it in mind. But a lot of people, when you talk to them, you're going you're gonna to find out if you interact with people that a lot of people aren't going to understand that concept. And you and I have a responsibility to make sure that they do. So here's the next, here's the last passage of Scripture. I have an application for you. Let me just simply say to you that if I were to go through the book of Acts and I were to get applications by going to the apostles' sermons and going to their missionary journeys, there's two things that show up constantly in their missionary journeys. Number one, Jesus was crucified. And number two, Jesus is glorified. He was resurrected, ascended into heaven, and is sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Now, I'm going to eliminate all those illustrations for you because of the time. I don't want to lose any of you here in the last minute. All right? But I want to give you one simple illustration. And there's some great passages. They're beautiful passages of Scripture. If you're, if you're writing any notes, write Romans 8, verses 32 through 34 down. It's one of my favorites, and it should probably end up being one of your favorites, too. But here is the last passage that I want to give to you, and it's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. But I want to read verse 1 because this is the application. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Hebrews chapter 12 gave us a cloud of witnesses. Abraham, all of the apostles are implied in this, all of the patriarchs, Old Testament uh, you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, you have uh, Samson, you have Gideon, you have Samuel, you have tons of people implied in, this, in these men and women of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And now the author of Hebrews says, you're surrounded by these people. They're a testimony of what faith does in the life of the believer. And they're sitting in the stands, not only as a testimony, but just assume they're watching you. And they're watching you running on the field. So he says in chapter 12, verse 1, So great a cloud of witnesses are there in the stands, so let us, what? Number one, lay aside every weight. Number two, Lay aside every sin that so easily ensnares us. That's the sin that you, you and I have a problem with. You know, we don't, all, don't have, all have problems with the same sins. And number three, let us run with endurance. Let us run and never stop and never stop. If we get tripped up, we get up and keep running. If we come to an obstacle, we just keep going. We just keep going. We never stop. Those things. Now, I don't have time to develop all of that, but that's the application, but it ain't going to work 
if you don't apply verse 2. Everybody together. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, that's all the time I have, all right? But I don't think we need, are you in a rut? Is anybody ever going to talk you out of this rut? It's a good rut. It's a wonderful rut to be in. Let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray that you would just uh, give us opportunities to sit down with this book and continue to look at what you have told us about who you are. And Jesus, we thank you that you're there to intercede for us, that you're ministering in the temple in heaven, in the holy of holies. We thank you that we have access because of what you have done in paying the penalty for our sin and purging it from our lives. Lord, we thank you in his precious name. Amen.